Well, this morning we are going to jump in here and talk about faith. So for those of you that are following along with us, name faith. Don't worry about it. We're not going to be talking about you. Generally, it's my only family, only my family members that have to worry about being talked about publicly. And we'll get to that here in just a little bit. But we're going to talk today about the biblical concept of faith. We're going to jump in here in just a moment into Hebrews chapter 11. And, you know, this is a big topic. It is a long chapter. And so today what we are going to do is kind of hit some of the highlights here and do the best we can to give an overview from Hebrews 11. Uh, talking about what faith really is. And I love the header in my Bible that uh, is, is at the top of this chapter. It says faith in action. And you know that, that is a great reminder for us of what faith is supposed to be all about. F- faith is intended to be active, right? It's something that we live out. It makes me think about what the scripture says when it says that we walk by faith, that we live by faith and not by sight. You know, it's not something that is passive. Faith is not even something that is just a part of our lives. Faith is something that is at the core of who we are. Uh, It's not something that we reach for in moments of need, but it's something that because of our relationship with Christ, our faith in Christ, I want to be very specific as we go through this chapter. We're not just talking about some concept of faith. We're talking about a relationship with the God of the universe through Christ. That's the kind of faith we're talking about. Uh, But it's not something that we just reach for in times of need. It's not like my remote control, you know. Your your, your TV remote sits over to the side, maybe on a countertop or uh, wherever it may be, on a shelf or whatever. And when you need it, you grab for that, you use it, and then you put it back until you need it again. And I'm afraid that's how some of us view faith. Hey, if I'm going through a difficult time in my life, if I'm having a particular struggle, then I'll try to reach for that faith and turn it on. It's not something we turn on and off. This is who we are. It's at the core of who we are. So I think we'll see that as we jump into Hebrews 11, starting in verse 1. Follow along with the first three verses for now. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. Now let's just kind of jump right into the first of the main Uh, ideas I want to share with you about what faith is today. Faith is confident assurance of what we can't see. It it says there exactly that, right? It's confidence in what we hope for, assurance about what we don't see. And and so let's, let's think about that word for a minute, confident assurance. When you have confident assurance about something, it really impacts how you approach certain things. And the flip side to that is true as well, isn't it? If you don't have confident assurance about something, it's really difficult to stand firm. I was thinking about that. I thought, okay, what are some areas where I may and may not have confident assurance and the the may not have? Here's what came to mind for me. I don't know much about fixing cars and things like that when things go wrong. Now, thankfully, I know people that do, and that's very helpful, people, you know, that you can turn to and and trust. But when something's going wrong, if I take my car to a so-called expert, I'm pretty much at their mercy to explain to me what's going on. And because of my lack of confidence, I'm kind of like, hey, are they telling me the truth or not? You know, is this really right? Is it not right? Uh, and, and it's hard to really stand firm when you're not confident about something, right? When you really don't know, it's difficult. Now, the flip side of that is, um, you know, that's, that's having cars worked on. 
purchasing a, a vehicle is a different story. Now, that doesn't happen very often in our household because we tend to drive them forever. But when we do, when I get into that mode of it's time to look for something, I'm going to tell you, I spend hours and hours and hours. You ask my wife. You know, I'm, I'm pouring over stuff on the Internet. I'm researching stuff. I'm figuring out what's a good deal. I, if I'm having a conversation with somebody about a particular vehicle, I, I'm fairly confident that I know kind of, you know, where I stand and what's right. It's a totally different position, isn't it? If you're approaching something from a place of confident assurance, as opposed to approaching it from a place of, man, I'm really not real sure what's going on here. And I love that phrase because it says that whatever we go through in life, that our faith, because we are depending on God and not on ourselves, that faith puts us in a place of confident assurance. Why? Well, go back to chapter 10. Verse 23, I believe, at the end of verse 23, where it says, where he who promised is what? It's faithful. He who promised is faithful. And so if we know that God is faithful, see, this is the key. And, and this is one of the things when we talk about faith, that sometimes is bothersome to me in our culture. I'm glad that, that faith is a topic, but sometimes we talk about faith as if faith itself is some special thing that we can just grab onto and if you just have faith then you'll be fine that's not what we're talking about faith is not something that enables us to become a better us faith is what connects us with God and puts us in a place of dependence so that we are allowing God to do his work and we're trusting that God is doing what what he says that he is going to do and so faith gives us that that confident assurance Another way of, of, of looking at it is it's like this, you know, to ask the question, okay, what are those areas of our lives where we have to express faith, we have to have this confident assurance, even when we really have moments of doubt? Because that's the reality, isn't it? I mean, we can have confident assurance in God because we trust God and we know that God has a plan, but that doesn't remove the fact that sometimes the, the decisions that we have to make and the things we have to do are very difficult because we're just not sure, okay? Now, here's where my family is no longer safe because I'm going to tell a little story and, and talk about what this looks like for us, okay? What does this look like specific? Because I think we can all relate to, you know, real-life kind of stuff. In the Switzer household, what does it look like to have confident assurance of something and at the same time be a little bit unsure but trusting God? Most of you know um, the story and the situation with our youngest daughter and know her medical um, struggles that she has. She's been battling cancer now for uh, at least a little over a year that, that we know about, probably longer than that before we knew it, but we've actively been involved in that. She's had some uh, significant pain that she's dealt with for about two and a half years. And so uh, she just graduated from high school and, and uh, we're kind of in that what's next phase, right? And she's always wanted to, to be an Aggie. Uh, which just, you know, just stabs my soul as a Baylor Bear and my wife as well. But, you know, it's good school. We, we love Aggies. All, all of them I know are great. Um, and so she's wanted to go to College Station. And, and so we went back in April, just decided, you know, it was quarantine time. We decided, hey, we can get in a car and drive just as well as we can sit around the house. And so we drove to College Station. You couldn't really see anything, couldn't really do anything. But we drove around some of the apartments just to kind of see, you know, get a little feel. And we were able to get out and walk around on campus a little bit. You know, nobody's there, of course. But, um, but, but we got a little feel for it. And uh, looked at a couple of apartments, made some phone calls, couldn't see them, but we had a FaceTime tour of one of them, you know, so that's kind of how, that's, that's COVID age, I guess, of figuring out where you're going to live, doing a lot of that stuff virtually, and so 
we were then faced with a decision about what to do next because uh, she found a place that she wanted to live. And now we're faced with making a commitment to a one-year lease in a time in life where we're really unsure about what the future holds. You know, we're, we're, we're asking ourselves questions like, what happens if we send her away to school and she starts to get worse? Uh, what if she's not able to go to class? Who's going to help her? Who's going to be there to, to help her if, you know, if she needs a little bit of extra help? Are we absolutely out of our minds for even considering these kinds? I mean, these are the kinds of questions that, that we're asking, okay? Uh, and at the time, the biggest issue was the, the pain that she was dealing with, which, by the way, if you don't know, she's, that is much better, and we praise God for that. She's doing better. Not, I wouldn't say totally out of the woods with her, with her pain, but it's so, so, so much better and has had a lot better days. But it wasn't at the time that we needed to make a decision. And so we just prayed about it, talked about it, talked about it with Autumn, like, what do you think? And, and we decided we're, we're going to take a step of faith here. It really was to say we're going to commit and we're going to sign a year-long lease knowing it may not work out, you know. Um, and if it doesn't, it doesn't. But we believe this is something God is, is telling us to do. And I share that story with you. Just say, I, I don't know what that looks like in your life, but I'm quite sure that everybody has certain areas of your life where it's like, man, I, I'm just uncertain about how things are going to work out here. And can you be uncertain and have confident assurance at the same time? And I believe the answer is yes, in a weird kind of a way. Because our assurance, our confidence is in God. Our confidence is in, uh, you know, if God is, is telling us, take this step, whatever comes next, God's got it. Whatever it is. And so we take that, that assurance uh, in that and, and not in our own ability. And so Scripture's telling us, have faith. It says, that's what ancients were commended for. Verse 3, by faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command. I mean, there are certain things that our minds are not fully capable of grasping. Now, by the way, there is a lot that we can understand, and there is a lot of good, solid evidence that points to the fact that all of creation was, came about through the work of God. Okay? And so that's not just saying, hey, there's no information, and we just have this blind faith. That's not the point. But the point is, we can't fully grasp all the details. We can't fully grasp everything, and so we take that at faith. You know, we are so used to um, wanting to quantify everything, but there is so much in our life that we accept that is not quantifiable, that we, that we essentially do accept by faith. And so um, that's what he's talking about here, and he's saying we can have this confident assurance even in areas where things that, that we may not be able to completely understand. Now, I'll continue on in verse 4. It says, by faith, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, Abel still speaks, even though he is dead. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Here's the second thing I want you to see today, and that is that faith is the way we please God. Faith is the way that we please God. In verse 4, it makes it very clear 
that God is more concerned about the faith behind actions than he is just the actions themselves. And he gives this illustration of Abel and Cain. If you remember their story from the Old Testament, both of them brought an offering to God. Uh, Abel's was acceptable before God. Cain's was not. And the Bible doesn't go into a whole lot of detail about why that was the case. It doesn't lay out specifically. Now, it's possible that God gave clear direction to Cain about what that offering was supposed to look like and that that Cain did not follow those directions. But it it doesn't clearly spell that out. It just says that Cain's offering was not acceptable in God's eyes. But why was Abel's offering acceptable? It does spell that out here, doesn't it? It says because of his faith. Because of, of the heart behind what he was doing. There was something going on, something stirring in his heart that, that was behind his actions. Whether that is in our giving or in our service or whatever we do, God is more concerned about the faith that leads to our actions than he is just the outward actions themselves. And so it's a big deal that we have faith because faith is what pleases God. And then it gives the, the example of Enoch. We don't know a whole lot about Enoch from the Old Testament other than that he walked with God and the Bible says, and then he was no more. It talks about here, he was just taken up to be with God because he pleased God. And then it just spells it out so very clearly in verse 6. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. See, that's the only way that we are to please God is through faith. And then it goes on and Spells something else out here as well. It says at the end of uh, verse 6, it also says, because anyone who believes, who comes to him must believe that he exists and, there's a second part to that, and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. See, God is concerned more about us seeking him than he is anything else. This makes me think about the story that... uh, that we get in the New Testament about Martha and Mary, one that's very well-known story where two sisters, Jesus came to their home and Martha wanted to prepare and do because she was a doer and Mary just sat at the feet of Jesus and Martha got frustrated with her sister because she wasn't helping and probably never did. And she said, make her help. And Jesus refused. He said, she's chosen what was better. Because he's always more concerned about us pursuing him than he is about what we can do for him. And so it says that faith pleases God, but that that God, part of that is believing that God rewards those who earnestly seek him. See, that's what faith leads us to do. It leads us to seek God. And, And you know, as I thought about that phrase, I couldn't help but think, you know, doesn't it seem like that could be a little self serving to say that we should come to God with faith because God's going to reward us for what we do? But I think the point that it's making is this. Faith, inherent in our, in our faith in God, is the belief that God is good, that God is generous, that God does reward those who seek him. It's, it's, it's more about who God is. It's a statement about God's character more than it is about what we receive from God. If I believe that God rewards those who seek him, that's a way of saying that I believe that God is so good and God is so generous uh, and, and he expresses love to those who pursue him. And that's what faith is. But here's the thing. Faith does lead itself into action, but it can never be enough. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. You ever fall into that trap of feeling like, man, if I'm going to please God, I've got to do this and do that and do this. And we get into this performance trap. 
you know that there's never enough if you get into that whole performance like when is enough enough the answer is never we can never be enough for god that's the whole point of the gospel guys is that we are not good enough we will never meet god's standard god's standard is perfection not a single one of us is ever going to measure up to God's standard. And so if we are trying to earn God's favor in some way based on our own abilities or based on our goodness or based on how righteous we are, we're not going to get there. That's why Jesus did it for us. Jesus met that standard for us. And that's where faith comes in because our faith says, I'm not good enough. I don't deserve relationship with God, but Christ gave himself for me. Jesus died in my place because I'm not able to be good enough to meet God's standards on my own. But he did that for me. And through faith, that's how we enter into this relationship we trust in Christ. Well, let's keep reading. In verse 7, it says, By faith Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear built an ark to save his family. By faith he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that is in keeping with faith. By faith Abraham... When called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with the foundations, whose architect and builder is God. And by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful who had made the promise. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars on the seashore. Here's the point. Faith is believing God when it doesn't make sense. See, that, that's the common denominator here between, between Noah and Abraham they both believed God when it didn't make sense. God told Noah to build a giant boat to save himself and his family from something that did not exist. You realize that, right? When God was telling him to prepare this because he was going to send rain to flood the earth, they didn't know what rain was. Up until that point, the water just came up from beneath the earth and watered the earth. There was no such thing as rain. I mean, you talk about expressing faith and, and saying, okay, God, I'm going to take you at your word, even though what you're saying makes no sense to me at all. I, don't, I can't comprehend. I, I've never seen water falling from the sky before, but because you say this is what I'm going to do, I'm going to do it. I mean, that would be like God telling us now, you know, to be careful, go inside, because there are about to be a bunch of watermelons that are going to start falling from the sky. And we would say that makes no sense. Watermelons grow on vines in the ground. They don't fall from the sky. But at that time, that's the way it was with water. They didn't know what rain was, and yet he built this boat. He built this ark just because God told him to. Believe in God when it doesn't make sense. The same thing is true of Abraham. He told Abraham to leave his people. In fact, what it says to him in verse 8, it says, he was called to go to a place where he would, that he would later receive as an inheritance. Now just think about this for a minute. What is an inheritance? An inheritance is something that your family passes down to you, right? You don't leave your family and leave your place of origin in order to receive an inheritance. You stay there in order to receive an inheritance. And yet God was telling him to go somewhere else, to leave your family behind. And by the way, he didn't even tell him where he was going. He just said, I want you to go to this distant land and you will receive an inheritance there. And... 
Abraham did it. I mean, it's just remarkable for me to think about that. Now, I don't know if he was a big planner or if he was just kind of one of those, hey, whatever, you know, I'll do it. But if he was a planner, any, anybody else out there like me, like you got to plan out everything, you know, you, you, you got to make sure you figured out every possibility that you can possibly figure out. You want to know on the front end. If you're a planner and God says, I just want you to go do this and I'll tell you later how it's all going to work out, that, that'd drive you nuts, right? It'd be, it would take a lot of faith. And I believe whether that was his personality or not, um, took a lot of faith on Abram, who would later become Abraham, on his part. Didn't make sense at the time. Does God's leading always make sense? Let me ask you something. Does God need to get your approval and make sure that his plan is okay with you before he asks you to do it? And we laugh about that, but don't we sometimes live as if that's the case? If... If I'm the one telling God what he can and cannot do in my life, how in the world is that faith? And faith is willing to, to go where God says go. Faith is willing to do things that don't make sense. Let me give you an example of what I mean. Let's put a little picture up on the screen. Let me introduce you here to Scott and Bianca Hafner, if you don't know these two. Um, Scott grew up here at, at Gateway. He's been here, gosh, I don't know, 12, 13, 14 years. I don't know how long it's been. Long time. Uh, grew up in our church. Uh, went away to Texas Tech. Got his degree a couple years ago. He and Bianca had been married for a couple years. They got married uh, pretty soon right out of college. And, and Scott's uh, senior year of college, he was offered a really good job. And which is great if you're a senior in college, right? A lot of people are like getting out of college and not sure what to do. I mean, he had a job lined up. Uh, he was an auditor and, um, you know, had this great job, worked it for two years, was doing very well in his job, uh, very secure kind of a place to be. And yet the whole time God was working on Bianca and Scott's heart that he wanted them to, to serve him on the mission field. And so now they're faced with this decision. Do we do something that in a lot of people's eyes probably doesn't make a lot of sense? And by the way, I remember the look in Mama's eyes when she told me one Sunday what was going on. And, you know, it's, it's difficult to grasp that. Their plan is to go to the Middle East, to an area that is not, uh, um, you know, an area where a lot of Westerners go. Uh, they'll have to learn the language. They'll have to learn the culture. They'll uh, be faced with some difficult challenges there. And yet their decision was, we're going to go. And so in March, he went to his employer and said, I'm resigning. And the guy said, well, you're about to get a promotion next week. But he said, this is what God has called us to do. And so he left behind a career with a lot of financial security in order to pursue God's call. When I was asking about that and just emailing back and forth with Bianca and just asking a few questions, and one of my questions was, you know, what doubts have you had through this process? And she said, well, you know, we started our fundraising efforts in the middle of a global pandemic. And they were questioning, should we keep our jobs? You know, should, should we really, should we be working right now? Is this really the right decision? And yet they really felt like God was telling them to do this. Again, probably doesn't make a lot of sense from a lot of perspectives, but they, they believe this is what God said to do. And so they're doing it. And by the way, in four months, they've raised 93% of their support. 
uh, which means they still have a little ways to go. And if their story tugs on your heart, let me know. I'd love to connect you with them and talk about how you could be a part of helping to support them. But, but I share their story mostly just to say, you know, sometimes God leads us to do things that are scary. And by the way, I asked that question too. What's the scariest part of what, what you're going to do? And it was interesting. She said, we do not fear for our lives as we believe, Philippians 1.21, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain, to be true. Uh, the, the thing that they are concerned most with is the fact that they're leaving family behind. And they have siblings, you know, siblings and parents and others that uh, you know, they, they won't be able to just go down the street and see their, their family anymore. And so it's a difficult decision. But sometimes God leads us in ways that, that might not make a lot of sense. Here's the thing. When we are living by faith, nothing is off the table. Right? Nothing's off the table. Does God have the freedom in your life to lead you any direction and, and to say, I want you to go this way? And, and the answer is yes. Whatever it is. Whether it makes sense, whether it's difficult, um, that's what faith is all about. And then even in verse 11, after talking about Abraham, he begins to talk about Sarah. And, you know, after she was, I love this, past childbearing age, she was 90 years old. I would say that is past childbearing age. And yet God gave her this heir, this son. And then we, you continue on in chapter 11 a little bit further. And we get to something that, that we really don't like to be reminded of, but we need to be reminded of, and that is that faith means being willing to let go of what we love the most, believing that God's plan is always better. What did Abraham love most? It was his son, Isaac. And God told him to go and to sacrifice his son. And here is Abraham, knife in hand, his son bound to an altar, about to follow through with what God told him to do when God stopped him. But we're told in this passage, verse 19, that Abraham reasoned that God could bring him back from the dead. He was willing to give up even his son that he loved so much. See, that's what faith leads us to do. It leads us to... To, to be willing to sacrifice anything and everything for God. Let's touch on one more thing. I know there's a lot more in this chapter, and you can go back and, and pour through it some more on your own. I would encourage you to do that. But the one last thing I want to touch on today is this, that faith is refusing to bow to fear. Faith is refusing to bow to fear. And the example that he gives is Moses. And it says even Moses' mother because at the time Moses was born, you remember the story, there was a decree that, that all the, the males that were born would be put to death because Pharaoh was afraid. And yet they hid Moses and they didn't give in to fear. And then it says in verse 27 that Moses, apparently that, that fearlessness of his mother was passed on to Moses because it says, by faith he left Egypt not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. Isn't that good? He saw him who is invisible. In other words, Moses kept his eyes on this invisible God, but that's where his focus was, was on God. And as a result of that, he was able to overcome this fear because he was not focused on what was in front of him. He wasn't focused on the challenges but he was focused on God. I want to encourage you. I believe there's somebody today, uh, either here or watching, that is 
paralyzed by fear, you know what God is leading you to do. And that God is, is prompting you to take a step of faith, but fear has been causing you to just be paralyzed. And you haven't been able to take that next step. I want to challenge you and encourage you today to focus your attention not on whatever that obstacle is or whatever that fear is, but to focus, to see the one who is invisible. Yeah, I was going through this and pre preparing for this, um, this message when I got a text message from Stephen Pollard, who's our discipleship pastor here. Stephen's on sabbatical with his family, so he's out for a few weeks. Uh, but he sent me a little uh, video of him and his boys on a hike. And it was just perfect timing because and I've got a little, a little still shot. Let's just put the picture up first. There they are. And I don't know if you can tell very well from that picture, but they're on a suspension bridge and they're about to walk across a glass panel on that bridge. So underneath them, I love it. I see the head shaking over here like, nope, not doing that. Underneath them, they just see all this. I don't know how many hundred foot feet drop it is down, but it's high. And they're about to walk over it. And you'll see here in just a moment, because I want to play the video for you. They get up to the edge, and they kind of, you know, stop for a minute. And it's like, do I really want to do this? Is this really a good idea? But when they listen to their father's voice, and they receive the encouragement from their father, it encourages them to go. Let's take a look at this little video real quick. Whoa, is that cool? Go ahead, boys, walk. You, you make it. Walk. Oh, is that crazy scary? <laughs> All right, boys, this way. Come on. Yeah. After doing it once, it's like, hey, let's just go do that again, right? This is fun. I love that because that is such a beautiful picture of what happens in our lives when we come up to the edge of something and we're just paralyzed by fear. If we'll listen to our Father's voice when He says, it's okay, go ahead. I'm here with you. I'm going to do it with you. You're not on your own. And if I'm telling you you're safe and you're safe, you, you can do this. Anybody find yourself there right now? Find yourself in a place where you have been listening to all these other voices, that you have been focused on fear and, and all the things that could go wrong, rather than listening to the voice of your father that says, it's okay, I got you. If that's you today, I want to encourage you to just take that next step of faith. Whatever that step is, whatever it looks like for you, to trust God. He's faithful. See, that's the point of this whole chapter. Chapter 11 is all about all these different examples. God was faithful here, and he was faithful here, and he was faithful here. And look at this person, and that person, and this person. And you can insert your own name into this and say, God has been faithful in my life, and God will continue to be faithful in my life. But as long as we allow fear to paralyze us, we're never going to be able to move forward in the way that God wants us to move forward. So I just want to encourage you with that today. If you find yourself paralyzed by fear, God is, is ready to move you through that if you're willing to take a step of faith. Let's pray. Lord, today we, we know that we need you. Lord, we are reminded of the obstacles that we face in our lives. And Lord, just how desperately we need to depend on you. So I pray today for, for those individuals that find themselves in a place where they know what they need to do. You have spoken to them. You've made it clear to them. But Lord, they just haven't taken that step yet. 
Lord, whether that's a step to trust in you, Lord Jesus, to to surrender their lives to you, whether they're already a believer and just need to take a step of living out their faith, whatever it is, God, would you give courage that only you can now, and would you lead in a way that only you can lead us, And, and Lord, we trust you, we listen for your voice, and Lord, when you speak, we want to move. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.